Monday night means it's time to talk about money, specifically your money and retirement with our friend Josh Pick from Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, the host of the Aptus Blueprint Retirement Radio Show, Saturdays 4 p.m. here on The Answer. Josh, I see the S&P 500, best week since February, so I'm wondering. We hear inflation rumors, people who are close to retirement, holding cash risky, all those kinds of things. How do you or do you have to talk a lot of people down off the ledge or counsel them or give them great advice in what appears to me to be a time that a lot of people worry about, ooh, I got money in the market and it's pretty high. Does that mean bad things or good things? Well, I mean, obviously the market being high is a great thing. A lot of people have rallied back from uh, losses or, you know, the hurt that they felt in 2008, the hurt that they felt in 2001, 2002. But now they're looking at when's the next hurt coming, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think ultimately that trying to time the market has proven to be a bad adage in the long run. I think what people are really uh, fearful of is a lot of folks have gotten way over leveraged in the market, meaning those old adages or those old concepts that we've had for a really long period of time, you know, make sure you don't have more than your age in the stock market. So if you're 65 years old, you don't want to have more than, um, or I'm sorry, uh, if you're 65 years old, you want to have 65% of your money in fixed rather than in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Well, people are saying, why in the world would I want to do that when everything in fixed is so bad and the stock market's doing so well, I should have all my money in the stock market. But that doesn't protect me from volatility. And there's no question that we have some interesting times today with low interest rates and high volatility potential in the stock market. But at the same time, um, we have to go back to some, to some of those foundationary principles of multiple streams of income, making sure we can weather all storms, making sure we can eliminate sequence of return risk, all the stuff that we should be doing all along the way when we're doing retirement planning. But in good times, we tend to get a little overweighted because of you know how great things are and why would you want to leave all this opportunity on the table. But we have to bring back in the reins a little bit, and maybe now it's just a, an awakening call for those people who have, feel a little bit of fear or trepidation to, to to get back to the norms again rather than being 70 and having 100% of your money in, you know, global growth. Yeah. Josh Pick is our guest. Aptus Wealth Management is Josh's firm. They're located in Lewis Center. 614-917-1040 is the number. And Josh hosts the Aptus Blueprint Retirement Radio Show here on The Answer. He and his team will also meet with you um, with no obligation so that they get to know you, you get to know them, you understand each other a little bit better. And for your time, you'll get a $25 gift card to patronize local businesses. You also get a lot smarter when it comes to understanding these very uncertain financial times. And Josh, you know, the ideal scenario is somebody does have money in the market, but then there are a lot of people who their retirement is tied up in maybe IRAs, a 401k, and Social Security is a big piece of their retirement. And then they have a decision to make on Social Security is whether to take it at 62, at 65, or delay it even more. Uh, What kind of conversations do you have with people about that? And how do you tell people in terms of a piece of retirement, what kind of priority uh, should Social Security hold in a in a purposeful, planned retirement? Well, Social Security is a big number for most people retiring. I've seen stats that for the average person, about 50% of the retirement income or more is coming from Social Security. So getting that decision correct on when to collect is obviously important. Uh, that said, it's one of those unfortunate mathematical calculations where you tell me when you're going to die, and I'll tell you when you should take your Social <laughs> Security, right? which we don't know. It's kind of like life insurance. You know, Should I have a lot of life insurance? Well, is it a good investment? It all depends. Um, but ultimately, uh, there's 
two things, three things really that go into the decision of when I should collect Social Security. Number one, um, do I have a history of longevity in my family? And if so, uh, do I want to maximize the amount that I'm getting on Social Security and what impact does that have on the other investments that I hold? Number two would be, do I just simply need the more money on a Social Security from a cash flow perspective? So in other words, if you're saying, I don't know if I should wait until I'm 70 or 66 to collect Social Security, but you know darn well that there's no way that you can retire on Social Security alone and that's all you got, mm. well, then you better wait a little while until you're 70 to let that grow up. And for those of you who are listening and don't know, uh, on average, Social Security goes up by about 32% between 66 and age 70, assuming your full retirement age is 66. So it's a big difference. But for those people who are just saying, I want to maximize how much I get out of Social Security, it takes until your early 80s to break even, meaning if you would have taken it at 62 or 66, but you wait until you're 70, you have foregone that money that you would have collected from 62 or 66 to age 70, it doesn't actually break even on the total amount that you collected until you're about 83 for most people. So the question becomes, do I need it? What impact will it have on my other investments? And does it affect my tax scenario at all uh, negatively? Social Security is this weird animal, Bruce where it's the only thing I believe that is the, the amount that you're taxed on is based upon your outside income. Not the tax bracket itself, but the amount that you're taxed on. So there's many people that don't pay any taxes on Social Security, but if they're making hundred grand outside of Social, Social Security, then 85% of their Social Security becomes taxable. And if this sounds atrociously confusing, uh, it is. Sure. But it's an important decision to make, and it is a mathematical calculation, one that we can easily do in our office. So if you have any questions, just give us a shout. We'll walk you through it. Very good. The number at Aptus Wealth Management is 614-917-1040. And make sure that you listen to the Aptus Blueprint Retirement Radio Show on Saturday, 4 p.m. here on The Answer. You get more of Josh's insight into the markets and into really planning smartly and purposely for your retirement. You know, you mentioned tax planning and stuff like that when it comes to Social Security. And we're in for a departure uh, here once July dawns with the child tax credit. And uh, Social Security is a check from the government. It's a portion of what you've saved, uh, or they've taken out, rather, from your check. But this tax credit thing is a little bit differently, and, and a little bit different, and it's being viewed by some uh, as a precursor to universal basic income. I think I have you right on Social Security saying, when I asked you before, do you think it's going to go away? You said, no, you don't think it'll go away. Uh, the child tax credit, where you actually get a check, if you have uh, an income level under a certain cutoff point uh, per child, uh, that's temporary. Do you think this is going to become a government program that will become permanent because it seems most of them do become permanent? Yeah, that was going to be my response is I can't think of too many programs that have become instituted that then went away mm. with when it comes to the government. So I, I would assume that this is a – uh, one of those, you know, hey, Dad, can you buy me a Ferrari? <laughs> no. Okay, can I borrow your car? Sure. It, it's the foot in the door, I, I think. And I think it's it's stepping in that direction of universal basic income. To what level that ultimately becomes a, a, a factor, I don't know. But I can't envision that this, you know, forwarding of the child tax credit in the way of a monthly payment is going to go anywhere anytime soon without a, uh, at least without a change in Washington. So I think I think it's here for, the foreseeable future. We are talking with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Get your free consultation with Josh and his team. Get a $25 gift card to patronize local businesses. More importantly, understand your finances, your retirement planning much, much better. 
I'm looking at a story here from USA Today, Josh, and it says between 2011 and 2012, consumers paid $345 billion in bank fees while collecting $231 billion in interest. So basically people in a nine-year period, consumers paid uh, about $110 billion more in fees than they got back in interest. Is uh, You're big on planning and where to have money and those kinds of things as it relates to markets and retirement. Uh, is examining uh, a person's bank of choice part of a smart way to manage your money as you're working toward retirement? And are there some other things that people should maybe look at? Their insurance, shopping insurance, their online shopping habits, things like that, that you would tell people where to find little pockets of money they think they may not have that they could then devote to retirement? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, debt management or let's say cash flow management is is as important as saving. Um, So all of those things, you know, am I paying too much for my auto insurance? It sounds cliche because it's commercial, but I think you should be doing all of those things periodically, whether you do that on an annual review basis or what have you. Um, But you talk specifically about banks. Um, banks have become much more of a commodity they were in, than they were in the past. I can think back to when I was a kid and people had relationships with their bankers. And that's very rare these days. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know what the stats are, but I would envision that most of the younger generation are working large in part with non-brick-and-border banks. Mm. So they're just dealing all their banking online. So that personal relationship is becoming less and less valuable. Well, if that becomes the case and banks become purely a commodity, then shopping around for the lowest interest rate, shopping around for the lowest fees, shopping around for the best credit card with points, all of those things become very, very valuable. And I think people should spend time looking into those things because fifty dollars over a forty you know, fifty dollars a month over a forty year career of savings off of fees then reinvested is a gigantic number over time. No doubt. No doubt about it. And these are the kinds of things, folks, that Josh and his team can help you recognize And that's very important because, as he says, uh, an amount of money now may not seem significant to you, but compounded over time, invested smartly, and those are the things that the Aptus Wealth team helps you do, can make a huge difference in your retirement. So 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, located in Lewis Center. Get that $25 gift card. Get the good information. Listen to Josh and the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show, Saturdays at 4 here on The Answer. And make sure you're listening to us every Monday, 6.06, for Money Monday with Josh and his insights as uh, he helps guide you toward a uh, much more stable and a much more secure retirement. Josh, it's always great to talk with you. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. Have a great week. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Bruce. It is 621 on the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. Well, we have the Olympics in Tokyo coming up, and I thought we would be preparing ourselves for a certain amount of protests by American athletes. There have been several in the news recently. Uh, One, a BMX bike racer who said uh, they couldn't wait to get on the podium, win a medal, and burn an American flag. And then, I laugh at the absurdity of it, of course, uh, on Saturday at the U.S. Olympic Track and Field Trials in Eugene, Oregon, uh, hammer thrower Gwen Berry 
uh, became incensed when she was on the podium, finishing third in her event, and the national anthem began to play. Now, uh, first of all, you say hammer thrower, not a hammer like hammer and nail. A hammer in track is like a uh, it's like a heavy ball on a string. And you spin around with this thing and you throw it. And it looks like a medieval way of killing somebody, you know, 100 yards away. Uh, but it is a sport uh, that's been around for years. And she placed third in her discipline to make the U.S. Olympic team. Now, they don't play at the Olympics the national anthem for every race or competition. They play it once per day. And they predetermined the time they're going to play it. And they predetermined Saturday they were going to play the anthem at 5.25 p.m. Pacific time. And it just so happened that she was on the podium at that time being announced as, you know, U.S. Olympic team member, blah, 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 blah. Uh, she turned away, Gwen Berry did, from the podium. Uh her body language indicated how disgusted she was that she was there while the anthem was playing. Uh, she pulled a black T-shirt out of a bag she was holding onto and held it over her head, and the words on the T-shirt read, Activist Athlete. Activist Athlete. Okay. So she has been roundly criticized, ripped, uh, and I'm sure praised by some. Uh, on social media for this action during the National Anthem. It's not any real different than the way Colin Kaepernick and others have knelt for the Anthem. LeBron James, NBA players, NBA coaches, white, black, and, you know, all people have been, a lot of people have been kneeling for the Anthem and disrespecting it, in my opinion, in many different ways uh, since Kaepernick began this uh, phenomenon. And you could see this coming, right, with the Black Lives Matter movement and Antifa and America stinks. And, you know, it's while I will say this is a disdainful behavior to me personally as the son of a World War II veteran. Uh, I gave a great deal of thought to how I wanted to talk about this and what I think should be done. And there are a lot of people who say, oh, Kick her off the team. She can't represent America. She shouldn't be on the team. And while that is my inclination, I will not deny that is my inclination. Uh, I will say that. I do think that, um, as I say all the time, the leftist position is an illogical position. She is a leftist. Hence, her position is an illogical position. And she proves it by competing for and making the Olympic team of a nation that she appears to disdain, which makes America singularly unique. No other country would allow an Olympian to wear its national uniform and comport themselves in this way toward their national anthem. No other country. And so... While it is distasteful to me, objectionable to me, reprehensible to me, that Gwen Berry chooses to spit on uh, the qualities that make America the greatest country in the history of the world and the greatest country in the world today, I do believe that 
allowing her to compete for the United States of America, though she loathes what it stands for and the freedoms that it has given her and the opportunities it has given her to make a living as a professional hammer thrower. Think of the absurdity of that. She lives in such privilege that a skill she has developed and possesses that is literally of zero benefit to mankind or to generate any kind of income or good outcome for anyone in society. Big deal. You can throw a steel ball on a wire hundreds of feet. That doesn't feed the bulldog, Gwen Berry. Nevertheless, it feeds you. And it feeds your family if you happen to have one. So I think the most eloquent way to prove her a lunatic is to allow her to be on the team because her very presence on the team proves that America is the antithesis of what she accuses it of being. That said, I will not be rooting for her. (laughs) I will be hoping that she loses and does so in ignominious fashion and embarrasses herself more than she already has, which will be a tall order because she has already significantly disgraced herself and proven herself to be not very bright at all with this egregious behavior. Now, tonight is the College World Series Championship. I think it's the start of it. I believe they play a three-game series. Aaron, uh, let's check your college baseball chops. I've you... never seen a single game in my entire life of uh, any college baseball what? period. Not once. Oh, you sound like me on the NBA over the last two years. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the teams that are combating uh, for the College World Series Championship is Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. Okay, Two teams you'd never see play for the College Football National Championship. All right. Vanderbilt got into the championship game without winning its upper or lower bracket semifinal against North Carolina State because North Carolina State was made to forfeit by the NCAA because they had only 13 players. They had a breakout of COVID, and they would not allow them to play with 13 players. And understandably, the... uh, North Carolina State players are quite upset about this, as I would be too. Like, you got to let them try to win the game. <laughs> they lost a game to Vanderbilt, and then they, NCAA said, okay, that's it. You lost to them once. Uh, we're not going to let you play them again. You're done. Go home. Back to Raleigh. So tonight when Vanderbilt and Mississippi State go at it for the College World Series, I mean, Vanderbilt has a distinct advantage. They play one less game. Their pitcher should be much more fresh than the Mississippi State pitchers. So that will happen tonight at the College World Series. Do you, uh, Though you've never seen a game, do you have any idea where the College World Series is played? It's played in the same place every year. Cooperstown? No. Good guess, though. <laughs> well, you guessed a baseball town. No, it's played in the teeming metropolis of Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, They love their college baseball hmm. in Omaha. And their, and their corn on the cob, I'm sure. That as well. All right, well, next on the Bruce Hooley Show... Uh, the numbers are frightening nationally on the rise in crime. Uh, I just did the math on the rise in crime in Columbus. And there are cities that we think are hellholes 
that have a smaller rise in crime than we do. Uh Uh-oh.